Right now, you can get both Sprint's unlimited plan and the iPhone XR with its amazing camera included for just $35 per month per line for five lines. All you need is approved credit and 24-month installment billing. No trade-in required. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Phone $15 a month after monthly credit supplied within two bills. If canceled early, remaining balance due. Unlimited basic. After 630-20, pay $32 a month per line with AutoPay. Data deprioritization during congestion. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. Kings Island knows what amazing means for your kid. It's exploring Planet Snoopy, an entire world filled with rides and activities made just for kids, and actually hugging the most famous beagle in the world. Amazing is getting on the fastest ride they've ever been on with mom and dad. It's racing down a water slide at Soak City Water Park. It's a funnel cake as big as their head. And we know what amazing means to you. It's the all-day smile on your kid's face. Right now, everyone pays kids' price. Kings Island tickets just $39.99, only at Kroger. Thanks for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Jodrand. Joining me as always, Jake Watroba and Armand Kafai. On this week's episode of Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, we discuss meaningless games in MLS and promotion relegation. We react to the news that the Columbus crew will be staying in Columbus. Hashtag save the crew. Plus, Antoine Latran calls in to chat about what's MLS like overseas, save the crew, and playoffs. Finally, it's another edition of The Counterattack with Jake Watroba. Please, listeners, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. You don't want to miss out on your favorite soccer podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Pod. Like I said, show on any podcast platform. Leave us a five-star review. Let's get to today's show. How are we doing, guys? Jake, how are you enjoying the snow in the uh, middle of October? Yeah, it's BS. Let me tell you something. This week, <laughs> this week has sucked uh, on many different levels for the great state of Minnesota. Just want to. <laughs> we have snow. We have Minnesota United. Have you bleep and need me, Gate. We have Minnesota United fighting Colorado, <laughs> <laughs> losing to nothing. We have uh, we have Spitgate with Harrison Heath spinning on uh, some Colorado Rapids players. Let's see what else. Uh, what else do you guys want to know about? You get the snow. <laughs> you've you've said that. At least you're not Colorado <laughs> where they're under like multiple inches of snow. I mean, it'll all melt this week. It's I'm not too worried about it. I'm sure the same will happen in Colorado too. Um, yeah, but... that is typically what happens after it snows. It melts. Not all the time, Steven. <laughs> Ooh, hit him with the changeup. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, Armand, how you been? All right, you're going to uh, we're recording before the game tonight. Tell us about it a little bit. Yeah, so uh, the U.S. women have a chance at qualifying for the World Cup, like today, if they beat Jamaica, which after going to both press conferences, I think the Jamaican coach kind of just knows, like, we're going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, it, it was one of the most like bizarre, not bizarre. I think it's pretty normal. But he, I think he just was telling us about his players. Cause I mean, we're not, none of us are really familiar with the Jamaican national team, women's national team. So he's just telling us about his players and not really much about the game. I think they're, they're really playing for that third place game, which probably is going to be Panama, Jamaica. And that'll also give him a chance to qualify for the World Cup. But yeah, man, I had to run around in the rain to try to walk into uh, the women's national team practice. And they decided that it's a closed practice, so I wouldn't get to see the first 50 minutes. And let me tell you, their stretching, their stretching technique is like A1. That's all I saw. All I saw them do was stretch. That's it. That's it. I didn't see them kick a ball. I didn't see them do anything. I just saw them stretch. And I looked at the press guy. I'm like, are you serious? He goes, yeah. Did you talk to any of the players? Nope, because they didn't tell any of us that they were talking at a hotel. So I didn't talk to any of the players. No one communicated anything. And this is the problem with U.S. women's national team soccer, that they decided, you know, they're going to tell a certain few people. I'm not going to tell people who actually, like, you know, want to help cover and expand the game. And they're going to complain why they don't get as much exposure. The so good Bravo. old boys. It's the good old boys. It's the good old boys club. Yep. Wait, so it I'm is. confused. Who's Who controls the, the media access? And wouldn't it be a benefit for area reporters to get access Steven, to the team? you don't understand, bro. It it would be. That's the thing. It would be. It, it, I, don't, I, I don't get it. It's supposed to be through CONCACAF, but no one sent anything to me. And I was talking to another journalist about it. No one said anything to us. It was a certain select few people. I mean, it wasn't until a press conference where someone was like, yeah, uh, Becky Sauerbrunn uh, said this uh, today. And I was like, wait, y'all had media availability and you didn't tell any of us? Come on. It's, it's, it's a little ridiculous. And and the fact is, they want exposure for the game, and I want to help bring that, and other people want to help bring that. But if you're going to, you know, keep it hush-hush and only tell a certain amount of people, then you're going to get what you're going to get, you know? It's, I, I can't I can't help you if you're not going to tell me anything. And I've heard most people have the same issues. This is a really dumb thing to ask because we're recording before the game, and this will be published after the game. But how many people do you think will show up? Weather's garbage. It's going to be raining. Um, I pray possible. to God it won't. I think it might get delayed. I pray to God, and uh, if God is listening to this podcast, please just just don't <laughs> let this game be delayed. But uh, it looks like it's gonna rain around seven, eight, nine. I expect maybe a few people to come for the Canada Panama game, and I don't expect a sellout for the women's national team. Uh, I'd say fifteen, sixteen thousand. I don't ever really hijack the first segment, but I did have this on my mind, guys, and it's time to come clean here. I got to confess something. I was watching Copa 90 uh, this morning, and one of the popular journalists was covering the St. Pauli Hamburg Derby. And they went on to Hamburg's history of promotion and being in the top division forever and then finally getting relegated. And, um,. I think U.S. soccer must at some point develop promotion relegation because we complain that, you know, MLS is very Americanized. And I think that is a detriment to how soccer could be viewed in this country. Look what people did with Save the Crew, the fan base. It saved literally the fans had enough noise and got something started to make something happen where the crew now are looking like they're going to stay. It's not definitive, but it seems very, very likely, right? So 
promotion and relegation is more than just a business thing. I think it could really tap into the sports culture that we have here in America or the lack of that we have here in America and really grow something because I think it would be fascinating to see, you know, cross, you know, if you had a team in Fort Worth that were in the, the third division, you have FC Dallas, right? And suddenly they make some noise and they mean the U.S. Open Cup. You start to, you know, put some more fuel to the fire with sports rivalries, something that we're lacking right now in this country. So promotion relegation, I think, is really the way to go. And if you, all you MLS fanboys are going to, you know, hate mail at Steven Jodderan this week. <laughs> oh, wow. He, he's taking on today. He's taking I, I'm on serious. Today. I, it's just watching the Bundesliga and just knowing what it means to fans. And plus, let me ask you, Armand. FC Dallas played DC United. How many people actually cared that happened last night during the international break? Uh, I I honestly didn't watch it. I watched part of it, so I mean, there you go. But there um, you go. So we Colorado Minnesota played yesterday for <laughs> nothing. For what was the point of them playing? They should have never have showed up. Jake, I have never regretted going to a soccer game more than the one I went to yesterday <laughs> afternoon. I hey, at least the last really the last fourteen minutes were kind of kind of lit. Oh, I I left as soon as like as soon as stoppage time was announced. To be honest with you, um. No, I drove to that game and thought, why the hell am I going to this stupid game? It literally <laughs> means nothing. There's no playoff implications. There's no relegation implications. It's just two uh, dog bleep teams. Jake, can I ask you something? Um, yes. Do you think that game was one of the more embarrassing games in Minnesota United's history? Uh, I mean, in MLS, I at least. I don't know if anything will ever top the Atlanta United match, the snow opener is what we call yeah, it up here. Six one, yeah. It, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm not, maybe I'm wrong because it, like Minnesota United fans seem to be like, well, yeah, it's great. We're in MLS. Who cares that we lost six <laughs> one? But I think that game that the first ever match against Portland, that also was pretty embarrassing. Actually, actually that, that Philadelphia union game last, was that last week or two weeks ago where they, they lost four Oh five Oh something that, like that. That one's also very embarrassing too, considering there was still playoff implications. I mean, it's Minnesota United. There's a lit. There, there's just there, there's there's a list of just kind of embarrassing per, performances out there. So, but would I mean, that, that that ranks up, I guess. Would it not be more exciting knowing Colorado's at the bottom that they had something to play for, where the fans are engaged, and you might be like, well, Colorado's holding on to dear life. You know, I'm going to tune into. Well, the yeah, game. it would de- it would definitely add incentive to the match. It's just, I mean, th- this match, like I said, there's a bunch of matches. Um, in MLS, I think did we talk about this last week over just like text? How there's like a bunch of matches like coming up that like legitimately have next to no meaning, but there's also some matches that have a lot of meaning with, no, the, you're pl- right. with the playoff system. I mean, Dallas SKC, LAFC playing uh, SKC also uh, on decision day. I think there's a lot of matches with that, but the problem is there's also a lot of matches that just literally have negative like meaning, and I think that Minnesota Colorado game was one of the we're one here's, of those matches. Thing. We should. Here's the th- Go ahead. Jay. I'm sorry. Sorry, I cut you off, Stephen. Here's the thing: these matches where you have Colorado and Minnesota playing each other, if the MLS draft actually meant something, and you were getting, you know, these next generation players, kind of like how you see in the NFL or the NBA, if if you were a team like Colorado, tanking would make sense, you know, and and, and you'd want to see your team lose, but because the MLS draft is kind of just 
it's, I don't know if crap shoots the right word or it's just kind of, it doesn't really add anything to your team the following year for the most part. Like, like, like these games are extra meaningless compared to like if they would be in and Colorado doesn't even have the Colorado doesn't even have a draft pick this year. They trade to Dallas, <laughs> so it's so like and the thing is a lot of these teams don't play younger players. So, uh, what, what's going on? There's well, no but, development. Wait, 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 wait. But w- even if Colorado just put out a, a squad of U twenty threes, I doubt people would watch the game. I don't You're think watching the game regardless. Well, I know, but even if <laughs> if you're an MLS loyalist, you know, a fanboy, do you really want to see your squad roll out the 23? I would. I think I would argue I would because I'd like to see, you know, what we have in the pipeline coming up compared to the, the players that we're, we're seeing um, right, I mean, I right would now. Too. Personally, I would too, but I wonder if it deters people to go into the game. But, I mean, he, here's the thing. is Like in the Bundesliga, you got kids playing all the time. You, yeah, you, Weston, you, McKinney. No, but they pump kids in all the time, and they make a point of emphasis with the youngsters to be like, "Here's our future. Here's the person that we think in five years will lead us to something." Do we see that in MLS? Do we see, I don't know, Minnesota United, the New England Revolution, LAFC, LA Galaxy promote their 15 year old or 16 year old star and say, I wish the "This Galaxy is the would. guy." That I we want to build would. around, who has the potential, Afonso Davies with at Vancouver. How much was he of a name twelve months ago to uh, people across MLS to the neutrals? To the neutrals, ah, it's a, it's a tough question. I feel like he was a little bit. He was rising. I think is the right. He was word. a rising star. But if he were in a different league, people would have known more of him. It's like Efren Alvarez, man. I mean, I'm. Pre- have y'all heard of this kid? The Galaxy. The Galaxy. Yeah, it's Los Dos. Um, he's a Los Dos product. I think he has what twelve goals in sixteen games for their USL team, and he's just scoring some remarkable goals at age. 15-16, and the Galaxy, in order to quote-unquote protect him, are refusing to uh, uh, call him up to the uh, first team. Protect him uh, from what? Why? They, they, they said protecting him from like media and expectations and stuff like that. that I was like, that's terrible. In my that's head, stupid. They, I feel like Alvarez, honestly, at times, is better than some of the options the Galaxy has offensively. I mean... I would like to see an, an Alvarez over, let's say, like a Chris Pontius. There's nothing against Chris Pontius. I just want to see what Alvarez can do. Think about Within it. that lap, maybe pair him with Zlatan. That would be such an interesting dynamic. That would be so cool. 15-year-old plays with Ibra. 16-year-old plays with Ibra. Be it's awesome. something that we're missing. It's something. It's something. It's something we're missing. And I think it's because I think Cannon said it. I was talking to Reggie Cannon one day, and he said it best. And I actually threw it in an article. Coaches are scared. Because they're like, okay, we didn't make, we we want to make the playoffs super badly. They're scared. They're they're too worried about development. My why is it why is it why that is the New that York Red case? Bulls can play can play mm-hmm. kids constantly? Why is it that Atlanta United can throw out George Bello and Andrew Carlton, but you have some of these teams that are just they're terrible and they still refuse to play the kids? I don't understand that, Armand. Can you like what's the rationale? You say coaches are afraid to what? not get relegated because they can't get relegated like what like, what, what what are they afraid of <laughs> they're that that's the thing i think they're just 
Okay, so they have this goal of making the playoffs at first, right? You don't, you don't, and for them, they don't think they're young. Their academy is capable. I think that's the that's the one thing. That's what I feel like coaches in this league think. They don't think their academy is capable of producing talent that can play right now, and they don't want to see, you know. And that's the thing, Jake, because I agree with you. I'm not arguing against you. I agree with you. They have nothing to fear. They're not going to get relegated. They're just going to be bottom of the table. They might get fired, but I mean, Anthony Hudson's case, he's not going to get fired. In Adrian Heath's case, he's not going to get fired. He's got to vote confidence from uh, their hey, man. CEO. Just need three to five more players, and we're going to be right in that playoff chase next year, man. <laughs> they leave, they, he has met expectations, let me tell you. Um, yeah, well. It's, rid- it's ridiculous. It, it is a confusing league, and it got more confusing with the announcement. What was it, Friday? Yeah. As you as you've all known, we've been covering uh, hashtag Save the Crew, and Friday was a very hectic day. I was trying to work on a project, you know, as a good college kid would try to do, but uh, my Twitter was bombarded uh, with just what's going on. It's hashtag Save the Crew, blah blah blah, fake Grant Wall, all that good stuff. And basically, what we found out was that there's a bid to keep the Columbus Crew in Ohio's capital. Uh, which includes uh, the Haslam family, the owners of the Cleveland Browns, and the Edwards family from Columbus, who have entered negotiations with MLS to purchase the team. Uh, it's a it's a development. They're committed to uh, getting a stadium downtown, and uh, pre-courts Austin FC will come in as an expansion side, probably in 2021, uh, if they get the agreement done with McCullough Place uh, for the stadium. So. Did hashtag save the crew work, guys? Did it work? I guess because I don't think I don't think this is about the crew. Uh, I agree with Armand. I don't know if hashtag save the. I'm gonna put on my tinfoil hat. Tinfoil tin Wait, 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 wait. I would like to reframe uh, all hate mail now targeted at Armand Kafai and Jake Watroba. No, 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 I don't think this is. Well, I mean, you can take this however you want to take it. I'm not sitting here trying. I'm not gonna. Uh, Take a dump on Save the Crew if that's what you think I'm going to do. That's not my intentions with what I'm about to do right now, with what I'm about to say. Here we go. I'm just stating my intentions, okay? I'm just (laughs) stating my intentions. Save the Crew was a fabulous movement. They brought attention to what was happening with the Columbus Crew, with with what was going down in Austin, with uh, pre-court sports venture and MLS. However, Tinfoil Ted has, I guess, I I think one of you just called me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speculates that this was more so. This was more so MLS and its owners putting pressure on Precourt to not push the Model Law, to not find out if that law would actually work. And when I mean owners, I actually mean uh, owners in other leagues, such as the NFL. Now, if you look at MLS, how many NFL owners are in, in MLS right now? Six, seven. Something like that, and if if the Haslam, I think it'll add one more. Well, let's name let's name them off. Kraft, Kronky. Kraft, Hunt, Kronky, Wilf, Wilf. I mean, wait, dude, does like Ziggy Wilf as an owner of Nashville? Does he have any say in the league right now? Or is I he feel like I feel like year? I feel like they have a little bit of say, a little. I forget that Nashville is coming in. Blank, or yep, Arthur Blank. Um, is that six, seven? Oh, Allen? Is Paul Allen on the Sounders? I think so, yeah. And then now you have the Haslam's, too. You can't tell me that some of these owners 
who have other franchises and other leagues looked at that modella and said, you know, we like to hold cities hostages or hostage to get publicly funded stadiums. You can't tell me that they didn't say, maybe, maybe don't test this lot. Maybe let's not find out if it works because if it works, it's going to be on the front page of every newspaper across this country and every state legislature is going to run to put that model on place. And I think MLS was pressured into not pushing it and just said, screw it. We'll keep the crew in Columbus. We'll just give Austin FC an expansion team or and, whatever they're deeming Austin FC to be. I'm, maybe maybe the crew are the expansion team next year. I'm not sure how it's actually. I've, I've seen it where Haslam's had to pay the expansion fee to buy the crew. That's potential. Like, like that's like the the potential deal that, that has to be done to to kind of finalize everything. Um, but I don't know. To me, I mean, this seems like more of a MLS and his owners and potentially owners in other leagues not wanting to test the Modella. Yeah, and I and that's exactly what I was meaning. I don't think this was about the Columbus crew. I think we were all overlooking the battle. I think, was it Stover or Mickey, one or two, who came on our show and told us, hey, this might have a little bit more importance than anyone else thinks. You might have other leagues looking at this. Because you're right, Jake. If the Modell law was upheld and they voted in favor of the city of Columbus and the Modell law, I'm sorry, but teams, cities, like I said, would be rushing to pass this through. And then what, what happens? You lose that uh, leverage to you know push for a publicly funded stadium uh and you can't you can't use relocation anymore as a as a threat so while i like you said hashtag save the crew did a fantastic job of re- of raising awareness for the cause and being very um very vocal about it i don't think this is as much to do with hashtag save the crew as as it as people want to make it out to be it and i don't and i just I feel like that's a really logical conclusion, but I don't think anyone else is sharing our our sent our thoughts on that, that. Doesn't Precor get the last laugh here? Sells the crew, yep. gets out of Columbus, and gets his team in Austin. Yep. I mean, congratulations to the fans. I they they did what they did. They keep their team. Now it's their turn, or it is time for them to show up to make sure that they truly support the club and say that you know they're going to go to these games. Once the new stadium's built, or if it is built, correct? Yeah, it, it, it's it's on them now. It's kind of a weird, not weird. I mean, look, they 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 walk, they talk the talk. Now let's see them walk the walk. Let's see let's see how they perform. You know, they have new ownership, no more pre court. Um, and if Haslam buys a team, I was talking to someone else about this. I do believe that hey, they should maybe revamp it back to the pre pre court rebrand. Uh, the the three little crew guys, uh, maybe like modernize the logo a little bit and go from there. Uh, the, the problem is, remember how we said Austin's gonna have a very tight uh, microscope on them for attendance. That's gone off Austin. It's now in Columbus again, guys. Whether people like to say it or not, if Columbus struggles, if Columbus struggles with new ownership, what can you say now? What can you say now? Well, I mean, this is this is the gamble that everybody, the league's taking. I I think pre-court, I wonder when pre-court originally announced how much of his lawyers told him the Modell law is going to be an issue. 
And if he, if if the lawyers were smart and if they could have foreseen it, I wonder if pre-court <clears> – <throat> my turn to put the tinfoil hat on, by the way. If pre-court leaked it or they said, you know what, we want to relocate, hoping somebody comes and invests in the clubs and buys it for a ridiculous amount way over the market price that it's – you know, what it was at before he announced that he's potentially relocating. Because the crew weren't – you know, it, it was not like they were – worth a, a ton what was the value like an average mls club like you know 150 140 probably let me in that I'm, range? Gonna, I'm gonna google that quickly in that range tinfoil ted <laughs> <laughs> I, I i yeah i would imagine they're probably they're probably valued right around that that dollar amount. I mean, Matt free stadium doesn't necessarily it's not a new stadium so it isn't give them any Matt free stadium is not even an asset dude no, like, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's, it's add, it doesn't get add this, any value. Get this. The Columbus, Columbus crew, this is according to statistica.com. The LA Galaxy are $315 million according to this 2017 value ranking. You know who is at the very bottom? Colorado Rapids? The Columbus crew at value of $130 million. It's less than an expansion fee. So damn... And, and, ML, and MLS just got just got somebody to, somebody to essentially buy the Columbus Crew for 150 million dollars. And but I guess wouldn't you assume that there's a new stadium getting built? Yeah, well, that was the I think I saw in one of the it's one of the caveats. Yeah, like they wanted to build that new stadium. They've, they've already been talking with Columbus lawmakers or the city or whatever about potentially building a stadium downtown. And is Jimmy Haslam even a good owner to have? Like, he's had his own, like, share of I think, I legal think if, cases. I think if you're crew fans, you don't care if he's a, a good Yeah, one. beggars can't be choosers, you know? Right, yeah, I think what you're happy about is, for right now, the Columbus crew are staying in Columbus. And, I mean, I don't... It, like, like you said, <laughs> do you really want the Browns to own your franchise, considering <laughs> the history of, of the Browns? No. People, made, people make excuses, but the thing is, I think with Haslam is he wants to be really hands off, and if that's the case, it's gonna be great. But guys, I, I don't know if I was talking to you, you guys about this, but I feel like the crew. What's gonna next year? I don't know what's gonna happen with the crew. They're gonna lose their coach, who has been running things like a tight ship. He's made players that have been eh to like really good. Let's look at Giassi Zardes. Look at look at how he's ch- turned it around from his days with the Galaxy. You can go with Justin Miram. God awful at Orlando City. Comes back to Columbus. Looking fine. Looking good. There's a lot of players that I think are a little system specific to what uh, Greg Berhalter does. And Greg Berhalter is probably a top five coach in MLS. The, the fact of the matter is winning produces attendance. A stadium can do all that. But if you win, people are going to show up. So we're, if we're looking ahead... Do you, do you do you believe in this Columbus market? Do you guys believe this Columbus market? If even if they struggle, that they'll that they'll continue to show up? No, because it's not in the it's not the interest of American sports fans to show up when your team is losing. It's just not. That's a good point. It's mm-hmm. it, it, this is not European football where you have relegation to worry about, like in, in the case of Hamburg in the last over the last decade. Right. You know. <laughs> I mean, granted, you know, you have Stoke City last year who, you know, the attendance dipped as the team struggled. And if, you know, as, as momentum built a little bit, you, you start to start to see the resurgence. But the moment they got relegated, nobody showed up for the games pretty much. 
Tenants dipped. Right. The moment's the mm-hmm. official announcement. But in, in American sports, your team sucks. I'm not going to go. <laughs> What's the point? Mm-hmm. And that's the big worry. MLS is risking a, a lot here with staying in Columbus when they had an owner that said, I wanted to get out. And this hasn't. The, the thing is, this comes back to the fans and whether or not there is fan investment or interest in the sport and into this, particularly into the league. You know, people don't realize Colorado struggles with attendance. The Revs, at some cases, do because they're located so far out of the, the city limits of Boston. Dallas, man. Dallas. <laughs> with the obvious one. Houston. On the field and they, they Houston is downtown and they struggle. So there are multiple markets that have issues between connecting with fans. And Columbus, for the longest of time, were one of those clubs. Let's not magically, like, let's not just suddenly make Columbus crew be out this fantastic fan base that's had all the support. No. The moment they got... <laughs> at Steve, at Stephen Jodoran on Twitter. Just want to remind everybody. <laughs> the fan attendance for the Columbus crew has always been shit, Okay. Yeah, lack of a better word. It it has like, okay. They're gonna hit you. You're gonna get hit with some graphs though. So watch out. You you better be studying some statistics because you're gonna be staring at graphs. They're gonna be in your mentions all day. We know um, you're not an analytics guy either, so you might want to brush up on. Yeah, you might want to brush up. We hit, hit you with the graphs. No, but teams always struggle. The Columbus Crew magically aren't aren't an amazing market. You, you know, in terms of. Um, they're not like a Portland or Seattle. We shouldn't expect them to be, but they've kind of placed expectations on themselves, right? With, 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 with the whole, you know, like hitting us with graphs and stuff. If in two years we're here with the same, oh, sixteen thousand, what's excuse now? Is is you are you gonna blame Haslam for it? Well, get get this, twenty twelve, MLS attendance. This is uh, WorldFootball.net. Columbus Crew were fourteenth in the league out of nineteen. All right. Yeah. So, so let, let me let's fast forward 2015. Okay. Let's see. What, what is that the year they went to MLS Cup? <laughs> That's the year they went to MLS Cup, right? The numbers don't lie. Let's see. 2015. Um. Hmm. Hmm. Where did the Columbus Crew sit? Oh, 16th out of 20 teams in the league. Oh, okay. Yeah. The, it's a great, great, great amount of attendance. Dallas sits at the bottom there too. Like, let's not kid ourselves. It's not like the Columbus crew has had this fantastic fan base in in attendance numbers. Okay? The last year is different. You can't compare the last year because fans were pissed. They wanted to send a message. There was this conflict inside. Go support the team and give them the money. Or not, uh, you know, don't give them the money, but you don't support the the boys on the field. Okay? There, There are markets in this league, particularly the 1.0s, that struggle with a fan connection. And maybe, maybe this puts the kick a, in the ass. Yeah, maybe this is the jump start, and the crew suddenly launch into a, a a premier soccer town. Okay, we we we've heard it multiple times. Columbus is this historic venue. Mexico versus the United States. Dos Zero, the first soccer specific stadium. Okay, you got your wish. Now the crew are staying. You can do all the talking you want, but if you don't act. It looks it looks rather foolish. Anyway. I wonder how I wonder uh, before you go, Stephen. I wonder how many of those I think was it eleven thousand uh, season ticket holders that committed to that that pledge. I wonder how many of them actually convert into actual season tickets for the crew next year. I'm interested by that. All right, That's at uh, Jake Watroba at Ormakafai at <clears throat> Stephen Trotter. 
Anyway, listeners. Um... <laughs> <laughs> you're you're such a you're such a fraud. Oh, I'm not. Oxam Soccer Pod. That's the one you want to hit. We all see it, so you can target all three of us. But I stand by what I say. <laughs> what a fraud, uh, Jake. Never mind. I'll tell you off the off the uh, off the mic. Anyway, up next, we're going international. All right, listeners. As I mentioned, we're going international. So joining us right now is Antoine Latrin. He is writer for Locan Opposé, based in the UK in France. Also a podcast called so- uh, Culture Soccer, which is in French. So if you know any of our French lis- uh, French-speaking listeners, you might want to check that out. Antoine, how's it going? Really good. Yeah, I'm really happy to be there. Uh, really love your podcast, by the way. And uh, thanks for having me. Oh, no, thank you. But uh, we, we were just finishing talking about the Columbus crew, and uh, I think the three of us are certain that we're going to get some hate mail. So I don't know if you – we just give us your takes on, on on everything. Obviously, being in a country or being in Europe where soccer is a lot different, the fans have a lot more of a say when it comes to their clubs. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I was really surprised when I heard the news that um, the like the Columbus fan – did find investors and that the league was okay with gay, uh, having them stay in Columbus. I was really, really surprised because um, the vision we have kind of of US sports and in general, not just the MLS, is that business always find a way to win in the end. And uh, it was re- I was really surprised to see that. But at the same time, there's one backdrop to the fact that uh, the Columbus will stay in Columbus and Austin will get the expansion is that that means one of the city, I don't know, like Sacramento or Phoenix wouldn't get an expansion. So that's a, another problem that the league has to face because um, Don Garber always said that he wanted to fill the map of the U.S. with all the expansions. And uh, now he has like three uh, franchises in Texas and mm-hmm. um, he might have to like maybe delocate one at a point to get another another city, uh, another soccer uh, team in Phoenix, I say, or Sacramento, as I said earlier, or Detroit too. So this is going to bring like a lot of problems. But I'm really happy for Columbus. Um, the fans deserved it, and I'm really surprised. As I said, I would be interesting to uh, to see what we do with the expansion. Armand, I mean, I think you and I were talking on the phone Friday about how there's the chance of them. You know, what are they going to do? Are they going to go 32 teams? Oh, they're going to keep teams? going. I don't, I don't think they're going to stop. I think they're going to keep going. I, I don't see they Don, Don Donnie Boy says 28, but I I see them expanding even more and more. I mean, the way they've been producing the the with the league, the structure of the league, it's more structured like an NFL, an NBA, an MLB where, you know, you're going to have your 32 teams, no promotion or relegation, you're going to have your playoffs. Uh, you probably won't have every team playing. I, I just see it following that trend, especially with uh, Don's uh, NFL, NFL background. Yep. NFL background. So I mean, that's just that's just me. I mean, Jake, what do you what do you think on that front? Well, yeah, I mean, it, <clears throat> right now, I mean, there's that's definitely where it's trending. Where it's gonna be a closed system. I I, I wouldn't be surprised if they move to 40 teams or or something like that. Considering you know the game is only played. Like th- this game isn't just played in the U.S. like baseball or American football or, or you know, uh, so there's a much 
bigger talent pool to draw from since it's, it's a world game. But Antoine, I, I wanted to ask you this: what you're you're based in England? You're you're also you know French too. Uh, what is what has been the international take on the Columbus Crew potentially relocating? Has this been talked about by other media members in England or France or even various parts in Europe? It has a bit, but I'm not gonna lie. Um... For example, Zlatan makes all the headlines uh, in Europe or Rooney, but like the Save the Crew, not really. Uh, obviously, when you go on Twitter, even if you're French or British, if you follow one or two accounts dedicated to MLS, you'll see the news. And a lot of people actually got interested on, on what was happening thanks to Twitter, but not really on the newspaper on a daily basis. It doesn't really, like no one talks about it. Um, people were talking a lot about like, uh, what was the last relocation? There was a... I San Jose? Now the for I think it was NHL or NFL I can't remember but or NBA another sport relocation where people were talking about it because it was something that was happening a lot but I don't think people actually cared about <laughs> crew moving in Europe uh, except the people that obviously are in Europe uh, I know for example a guy um, that's a Twitter account called MLS, MLS Trucker. Uh, mm-hmm. British blog really really good one uh, and he followed that a lot and. A lot of people kind of know the relocation thanks to him, I guess, but it hasn't been talked in the general media. Um, just to come back to the expansion thing that you were talking about, I don't think the league will go to 40 teams as soon as, uh, like, not in the next 10, 15, mm-hmm. 20 years. I think at a point, maybe 30, 32 teams, they just start to slow down so that the USL team can probably catch up and really, like, solidify it. Also, they just restructure the, the USL. You talked about it in the last podcast. But, so I think they're going to wait for a bit, uh, 30 or 28 teams, wait for the other teams to grow so they don't um, get an, an expansion that wouldn't be prepared. And then maybe after five, 10 years, they'll start another expansion process going to 32, 44 maybe. Yep. Yeah, I think I think that's a pretty, uh, a pretty solid theory. And in your own thoughts, Antoine, what do you, th- what do you make of the expansion process? I mean, it's, we don't really see it anywhere else, but in America, I mean, what do you make of the whole uh, expansion process? I'm not gonna lie, I love it. <laughs> kind of what, that's why I love American soccer because it's so different from Europe, and that's what kind of got me into it. Um, it's just the league has to balance the fact that they need big cities. I don't know, like Detroit um, or like they had with Miami. They mm-hmm. need these big cities because they have a lot of players there, potential players. But at the same time, they kind of still need the small cities. Like Cincinnati isn't that huge for example um but they still got an expansion because they had fans involved they had um good owners too they really had it was kind of a soccer city um whereas some other big uh, cities aren't and that's why i love about that expansion process that they have to balance the two but at the same time they can go to let's say 60 teams so at a point they'll have to decide between which one will bring the most money and which one will have maybe the better fans and the better images on TV, stuff like that. So it's going to be really interesting what happens uh, in the future. But I really do enjoy that from a European point of view. It's really different from what we have here. Um, and it's just really weird that the league basically chooses where he puts the team. Uh, it's a really weird concept. <laughs> yeah, it is weird. Uh, you get a team. No, and you don't. But uh, yeah. <laughs> but the promotion relegation, we actually, at the beginning of the show, we talked about it, how... I believe personally that U.S. soccer must implement promotion relegation because in American sports, we don't have it. 
And if MLS is able to flip that and switch the sporting culture we see, I think soccer in America would take off differently and there would be a different f- fan base or and a different type of, I guess, culture or passion behind the sport that I think you'd see more like you get in Europe. But from, from the European point of view, playoffs, no promotion, no relegation. I mean, is that a concept that, you know, some people like? not like i don't know I'm, I'm sure the owner of like the big leagues in france would love it because that means like for example uh not i don't know lyon marseille paris in france they would be forced to be in league one so that'd be perfect because you always get the biggest cities the one that everyone watched on tv they the owners probably would love that but no in europe we love promotion relegation the promotion relegation battles are really interesting i mean in the uk the playoffs to get in Premier League are a really big deal. Um, at the same time, when I talk about it with my friends that don't actually follow MLS, uh, they'll just, I mean, I explained to them that basically a team like Houston could just play really offensive soccer without really, not this, I'm not going to say they don't care, but they're not getting relegated. Like there's no, if they if that doesn't work, they can try another tactic next year. They have the time to be to be where they need. They have the time to establish the tactics they want. They don't have to face the, the fear of relegation, so they can actually give the public a really good and nice uh, soccer. So that's a really good thing. And also, I must say, uh, the US probably will implement promotion relegation in a point, I guess. But it brought so much stability. Um, I don't think he could have kicked off like like it is. Like it's so it's growing so much. I don't think it could have if it wasn't for um, the closed system that you have in the US. Antoine, I want to ask you this because in European soccer, we don't we don't really ever see this outside of Leicester City winning the Premier mm-hmm. League uh, two, three, four years ago, whenever that was. Um, with MLS, you kind of have this this uh, it's 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 set up to where you feel like any team can win MLS Cup. Where in let's say League One or the Premier League, it's basically you know in France, it's going to be recently it's going to be either Monaco or PSG. Or in the Premier League, it, it kind of just rotates between Manchester City, Chelsea. Um, well, that's kind of what it has trended towards the last like five years. Uh, is that as a European? Is that something you would like to see in domestic leagues in Europe, where you can you can see a team like Lille have a chance to win win League One? Actually, um, it's so funny you say that because Lille actually won it eight years ago, something like that, and before uh, Paris got to the top of Liga and started spending a lot of money. You had quite a good, um, I mean, Montpellier won it one year, Bordeaux another year, mm-hmm. Marseille another year. But yeah, I'm not really a fan of uh, like the, the, the fact that PSG is just always winning. But in the same time, I don't think with a PSG, you would have, for example, we had a new American investor in uh, Marseille. I don't think with a PSG, you would have that. Like you might need that locomotive to pull the entire league um, onto good tracks. Um, and I think that's something that I also love about MLS is that, I mean, I know the Colorado Rapids are not going to win the league next year, but at the same time, on the same time, you still have like three, four, maybe 10 teams that could win the league. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't thought Seattle were going to make the playoff this year after the really bad season they had. Um, Mm -hmm. the fact that DC is getting back in the fact that, um, just to be fair, at the beginning of the season, I thought Portland would be number one in the West. Now they're like struggling to get in the playoff. I didn't thought Dallas or Kansas would be that high. So that's why I love about MLS too. And I think if people get 
more into MLS in Europe, they would see that it's way more balanced and that's actually better. Um, but in Liga, you have a point. It is really uh, single-handedly um, uh, the PSG that always wins. But in the same, like living in the UK, the the Premier League is actually quite competitive between five, six first teams. Maybe I know Tottenham never win, but they always get <laughs> quite close to winning. Yeah, um, I mean, even pressure. Liverpool. Yeah, even Liverpool are getting really good uh, for the recent years. So, yeah, they're not the leagues I'm specialised in, but i got to say it's really exciting. And I think European football could uh, could be better if there was more competition, that's for sure. Would you be in favour of, uh, like MLS has, a potential cap on, like, like not necessarily a salary cap, but maybe, I, I guess is, is a better word, like a transfer cap, I guess, I, I think... Where they wouldn't have to spend like an exuberant, uh, where they have a cap on how much they could spend uh, on transfers, try to balance out the field, or she, do you think it should just continue to be like this open market without any, uh, I guess, regulation in terms of how much a team can spend? I actually never thought of it. Uh, not gonna lie. <laughs> now the idea of having like designated players or salary caps in Europe never crossed my mind. <laughs> I know some uh, some clubs actually use it. In France, we have Saint Etienne, who for a really long time had a salary cap within the club um, because they were, didn't have them. They didn't want to uh, just put too much money on one player because it could ruin them. Um, but I don't think it would happen. So I, I'm not gonna. I never thought of it. I don't think people would like it. Owners won't like it, and it would never get accepted. Uh, I do think transfers are going quite, uh, rising madly uh, recently. But I mean, there's nothing you can do. It. It's just like the economy of the world. <laughs> uh, it's not just football. Everything is rising. Um, so yeah, there's not nothing you can do about that. Actually, the only thing you could do. Uh, I support that idea. Some European coach wanted the transfer. Uh, window to be way um, way more curved, just like a month or something in summer uh, I think just the month of July and uh, shorten it that's the word shorten it for a while and I think that'd be a good thing that'll be interesting to see I mean <clears throat> I, I wanted to ask you Anton we had Callum Williams the play-by-play uh, -play guy for Minnesota United come on and he's a UK bloke and he was talking about you know fans in the UK you know watch MLS but what, what? How much people do people pay attention to MLS in regarding to what's happening besides? Steven, let, 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 let me tell you this. Let me tell you this before Antoine answers. I follow the FCD French account, which is a <laughs> French oh. account by some uh, for uh, for FC Dallas by some random fan, and I promise you, he has more analysis <laughs> than any uh, U.S. based fan I've seen. So, just from my experience, I feel like they do some follow it really closely. Yeah, that's the thing. You have like a Twitter sphere, which is really different from the real world. But that FC Dallas account you're talking about is doing an incredible job. Yeah, <laughs> we have a we have a community of French accounts. Actually, I used to run a Seattle Sounder uh, French account for a while. Um, but it's really different because yeah, you have so people are following the league. Some people are following the league, but it's, they're really rare. Most of the people. Are curious. They're curious because um, you could see like crowds, like in Atlanta or LAFC or the uh, relocalization of Columbus Crew. So they are curious on that way. And also you have the, um, the kind of 
U.S. Uh, I wouldn't say love, but interest. The fact that there is this America kind of make people interested in MLS. I mean, for example, I think if you just ask a random person in France and the UK and ask them what's the better league, uh, Liga MX or MLS, most of them would say MLS because they know about it. Because they, I mean, it would be it wouldn't be true. It wouldn't be true, but they would they probably know more about MLS because of all the retired people and because it's the US. Um, I know in France, a lot of people actually watch NBA, mm -hmm. uh, the NBA. And so I think that's they are fascinated by the way Americans just take the game. Um, for example, I know the paper, the paper I wrote that worked the most was an interview of the Las Vegas Lights uh, president. And it's because he's taken such an American approach to the game that he actually interested a lot of people. But the day-to-day -day results, except from a couple of people on Twitter, I don't think people actually watch it. Uh, also, the broadcast has been really bad in France uh, uh, by Eurosport. Um, but the, so there's a duality between the fighter. Also, people think it's a bit hipster. I mean, people are interested in it. You every time, I, for example, this morning I actually played football with um, Seattle Sunder shirt on, and a few players told me, "Oh, that's." quite cool uh you have a seattle shirt and you see la galaxies or red new york red bulls shirt around um uk and france but at the same time they still think it's a retirement league um because most of the headlines on the normal newspaper are about slatan rooney as i was saying uh but it could change it could change because for example i know italy kind of changed their mind a bit uh, recently because of jovinko who went there way earlier than he should uh i know in france we had alessandrini who joined quite early in his career um, so it could change before the moment. There's still that duality between the fact that it's cool because it's the U.S., but at the same time, it's a retirement league. Even sorry, Jake. I know you have a question, but even with Gignac in Liga MX, yeah, um, that's we actually uh, on the website where I work, we also cover the Mexican league. I do not, but I, a colleague does, and he's annoyed because every time Gignac scores a goal, he makes all the headlines, but no one actually cares about anything else than Gignac scoring goals. Uh, <laughs> literally, it's it's really bad because they always talk about Gignac, but they have she have no idea. They never, no one ever watched the MX uh, game in France. Um, so yeah, and no one obviously follows the Concacaf Champions League, so no one would know that MLS get beaten every every year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Antoine, one last question here before we let we uh, let you go. Um, we hear, we've heard Don Garber say this in the past, how he wants MLS to be a top five league in the world. Do you, do you at any point foresee MLS climbing the the mountain and being one of the the top leagues in the world? So people could laugh at me because of that, but I do think it could in I don't know really long term future, like twenty twenty five years, maybe thirty, because it's the US. That's the thing, like. Americans have more money than Europeans. Generally, look at all the Premier League clubs. They're owned by Americans. Um, you've got players that just want to live in the US. I mean, no one wants, no offense to British people, no one wants to live in uh, Manchester. Everyone just wants to live in Miami or Los Angeles. So, yeah, I don't think, I think it'll be in 20, 30 years because people do like the US and like what it represents. And um, they have the money and they have the, the power of it. But um, yeah, no, I don't. I don't think in five, ten years it will be. Well, Antoine, we can't thank you enough for joining us today here on the show. It is our shameless plug, so please plug your podcast one more time. Where we can follow you on Twitter and your writing, although that's going to be in French. So Google yeah, Translate well, will be your best friend there. Exactly, Americans. I write for uh, Lucas Posé, uh, probably 
maybe the only actual media that covers uh, regularly the MLS. Um, write about like everything that's around soccer, um, 